Hi, here's Florian with a new podcast guest, Oliver. So I would say, introduce yourself. Hi, Florian. Thanks for welcoming me to your podcast. Yes, I'm Oliver. I'm head of new business development at Gebobuck. Gebobuck is one of the largest housing companies in Germany. It's actually a Berlin-based and state-owned housing company. So, and I lead the um, business development team there. So we are uh, building new business around what is our traditional core business. So we're looking into into new fields like, for example, mobility, where we have looked into ways how can you um, transform parking management by opening it up to people outside of uh, our current tenants um, through digital platforms and digital applications so that basically people who use any digital marketplace can find our parking lots and book them and use them. Or we will start our own tenant car sharing. It's another example of something we have done and uh, we start now because this helps us to actually build less parking spaces um, because we offer shared mobility to our tenants. It's another example. Yeah, Or shared mobility also opens the door for charging infrastructure. We have our own energy daughter and daughter company. And actually, we, we signed a contract with uh, Volkswagen Wischter so we cooperate together in, in terms of um, electromobility and the car sharing from Volkswagen, the WeShare fleet, is using our charging infrastructure. So these are examples from, from mobility, for example. Um, we are also in quite different fields like health and healthcare. So building uh, our own services for our tenants in healthcare sector. Um, we are also building digital marketplaces where we can offer new product solutions for our customers. We are also going into last-mile logistics because we believe as a housing company we have access to our tenants and to very dense building structures. And we are in a, we believe, very well-positioned situation there, um, offering digital solutions for parcel logistics and smart logistics in our areas. Smart storage would be another topic. So uh, you name it, I can list a whole range um, of interesting examples and we can deep dive into anything of that. So these are examples of... Um, business development for a housing company, which is very much um, looking for innovation around the core business, but also inside the core business um, for that. And I think that is how we get in touch with each other. For that, we are now also building a innovation and startup program, which will really fuel both the core organization as well as the new business. So we can dive deeper into these things, but that's kind of a quick wrap up of what I'm doing at Google. So yeah, like it sounds like a lot of topics. Um, so how do you know on what to focus next or how many topics you have on a, on your table in the same time if you have so many options uh, to develop the business? Well, we approach the topics from a very strategic perspective, I would say, yeah, because we look basically at what are our core competencies as a company and what are our core assets and what can we do with it. So in our core assets, uh, obviously, they are the, the buildings and also the spaces the buildings are on. And so we ask ourselves the question, what can we do through digitalization with these buildings? Where can we build business around it, around these buildings or offerings to our tenants? And then basically, we go very much with the, with the business model canvas into quick testing of ideas. So I got an excellent team with mainly backgrounds from the startup industry. So many of my team members have founded startups in the past before they came to the housing company. So they're very familiar with having an idea, testing it quickly, getting feedback from the market, identifying user potential, 
and either throwing the idea back to the bin or maybe putting it on hold for the next two years or saying, oh, let's do a project for that idea. So that's how we work. Uh, I guess it's very agile. And well, there are many things on the table and most cases too many things, but since we're also having fun working on these, I think that's a very good approach. And if you feel okay, there's a high potential, yeah? And this high potential normally comes when we make some of our physical assets like building and spaces digitally accessible. And if we see in our business case modulations that there is a very high potential for it and also a value for our tenants and also a value for the city, because as I said, I'm state owned. So we also always want to offer some either ecological or sustainable benefit to the city and smart city development. Then we dive deeper into it. Then we make it a big project. Then we gather a project team around it. Um, sometimes with consultants, sometimes without, but also always uh, interconnected within the company. And then we go to prototyping and do our quick, uh, quick pilot project POCs, see what works, what doesn't, adjust it, and hopefully we'll scale it at some point. Uh, that's how, how we work on it. So what is your favorite example of which uh, you worked? It became a product and probably still running or is about to scale? Um, well, yeah, there's so many favorites, that's why I have to think about it. I mean, the one thing I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, the charging infrastructure is, is something I like a lot because when we first looked at charging, uh, we thought, okay, it's something we should provide as a public housing company because it's part of this whole mobility change. Everything is going to be E probably, and we need to provide charging infrastructure for our tenants to make it happen. Because, you know, either you have a car which needs charging and you don't have the charging infrastructure or you have the charging infrastructure and you don't have the customers for it. So somebody make, needs to make a start and we believed, okay, we should make a start. But we also thought probably it's nothing we can make money with. And then when we started this activity, other market participants from, from the sharing industry looked at us and said, ah, they actually provide charging infrastructure and maybe they could also be a partner for us. And so we discovered that beyond our tenants, there's a B2B market potential basically for everyone who's running car sharing or shared mobility or ride sharing within a city. So, and I really like this um, story because we started developing something here without a clear business case, but with a very good proposal and added value for the city, like from an ecological perspective. And then we found out, okay, there's actually also a business case. So that is something what I really like about this, uh, this topic. But if you look at the like overall potential for a company uh, like Gebobuck, then uh, clearly there's the really high potential everywhere where we already have existing assets on a large scale and can transform them radically through digitalization. So parking, and this is another favorite topic really, parking would be an example. We got more than 13,000 parking lots currently uh, in Berlin, which is really a lot. And You know, there are these regular tenant parking where you pay a fee per month and it's connected to your apartment, basically. And uh, this is, well, it was a very good approach, like 50 years ago, of course, and also five years ago. But if you look into the future, uh, we need to think about ways how to better use the space because space is so limited in the city. So, of course, shared mobility helps, but why don't you do shared parking? We thought, why don't we open our parking spaces to everyone? who's in need for parking space within the city if it's not used by our tenants. Um, if you walk on our parking spaces at noon, for example, you will notice that 
many of the parking spots are empty because people are at work, not currently in the Corona crisis. Now everyone is at home, of course, but like go back two months and maybe go in the future half a year again. And you will notice that during noon, uh, parking lots are empty. So why don't we open these during the time they are not used to everyone in the city? And to do so, you need to put the right IoT infrastructure in place because you need to make it accessible. You need to make it bookable. You need to give access for everyone who is using it. And I really like this one also because there is really a very big benefit for the city, yeah, giving the ecological dimension. Of course, we know the best would be everyone would be cycling, but we know it's not going to happen so quickly. Um, so cars will still be there. And if they are there, we need to find good and efficient ways to integrate them into the mobility concept. So this is something I really like about that one, that we found a good way to extend our business really, and at the same time have a very good value proposition for everyone living in Berlin and working in Berlin. So how free are you in your in your decisions and what you can do? So if I imagine you, you guys come up with the idea, say, okay, cool, we want to use um, free parking slots, which are normally rented by normal renters of, of houses. Um, so how many layers of, 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 um, of legal structure or like internal structures you need to go through to get to a decision? Because probably you need to get an agreement <laughs> of somehow, or are you free yeah. to just do what you want and then afterwards you check if, if some. I someone... wish it would be this way. <laughs> no, of course, of course, we have to go through many, many layers. And I mentioned uh, that many of my team have been startup founders in the past, and I get them into the company. And the first experience I make is uh, I'm not as free as a startup uh, entrepreneur anymore. I have to talk to many people and get many agreements internally and also externally around the company but also they make the experience once they have spoken to many people and got good solutions for any challenge and get the buy-in then it's actually more fun because um, this is different to a startup we can really scale up something very quickly once we have the buy-in of everyone so we have to go through many layers um, internally of course because you know we are a small unit which is uh, getting innovation in the company working together with startups, having our own ideas and driving them, but also working as a yeah, basically service provider for other departments. So we always have to work together with someone and uh, it's also making the ideas better, but it takes, of course, time. And the housing industry is not known from the past to be the fastest moving industry, to be honest. Um, this is changing. I would say it's even radically changing and uh, especially Gibobak, I believe, is one of the fastest moving housing companies in Germany, giving its uh, innovation power. And I'm not only talking about the business development, I'm really talking about the company, the top management level and all leaders, but also every employee in the company. We can see more and more initiatives popping up in a decentralized way for more departments. Um, so this is good at making much, much easier. Um, but you need, of course, to talk to the one who's in the customer relationship. You need to talk to the one who's in charge of the buildings. You need to talk to the one who's uh, in charge of the uh, building infrastructure. You need to talk to finance, to HR and so on. Of course, yeah, we have these internal processes and uh, we can dive a little bit into this because we are building a digital expertise team in the company, which will even help us to make this more professionally and faster. And then, of course, outside we have many layers because uh, we are a state-owned company. So 
we have uh, some legal restrictions to what we are supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. And sometimes we are just working on the edge, which is the natural role of a business development. Yeah? I mean, if we would work in the core business, we would be within the legal framework, but then we are no business development. Um, if we would work in something completely different, like microbiology of what something that would be interesting now in the biological or biological field, this would be so much far off um, that we could never do it. Board of directors would always tell us, you should get back to your core business. So we are looking into this field that is just around, yeah, if you think about the company as an onion, uh, then you have the core business inside and then around it, there are different layers. And we try to work in these layers, which are very much connected to everything people need who are living in their neighborhood. And if you look at it this way, then there are many things we actually can do because um, we are not just building houses. We are building spaces for people who are living there. We are building complete environments um, because in many cases we have very dense neighborhoods where um, basically in a whole neighborhood, almost all the buildings belong to Gebobak. So we are much more than a landlord owning the building. We own the whole neighborhood in a, in a way. And so we provide social infrastructure and we try to make this place the best place to live for the people who live there. Um, so we look for a good mix of um, people living there, a good mix of the business, which is interacting there. We look for social infrastructure. We look for some leisure activities and everything. So, and if you look at it that broadly, and if you think about building small cities, uh, for example, currently we are building a whole new neighborhood in Berlin at the River Havel, and more than 2,000 units will be erected there by Gebobak, and there are also other companies building there, so in total it will be actually much more. We talk about the so-called West Band, which is like the larger development area uh, together with the Urban Tech Republic, Siemens Campus, and uh, the Isle of Gartenfeld. Then we talk about 20,000 people moving into this newly developed area, new people. So this is huge, and if you're building something like that, then you start thinking in a much bigger scale than just about the building. Then you start thinking about mobility. How do we solve the, the challenges of new mobility in this area? 20,000 new people moving in. Uh, we don't build many parking spaces anymore because we don't believe that the car is the future of our cities. So we have to think of new ways. Huh? So that's why we bring in shared mobility, for example. That's why we think about uh, things sometimes we don't do it in the end. Yeah, we thought about autonomous driving. So we thought, can we do a test run here for autonomous driving? Uh, I looked into this with my team and uh, after a short time, we realized it's not mature enough for like a proper solution. But at least we try it and we look at it and we think about it. So then you think about healthcare. That's why we have this healthcare field, because if people are moving in, they have needs regarding the everyday life and, and healthcare is imminent. I mean, now in the corona crisis, we see it dramatically, but also aside of that, this is an imminent part of our life. And especially with um, our tenant structure, which is in, in relation to the general population in Berlin, uh, much older, we think a lot about how do we make our areas a livable place also for people who are older and who need help and who need care. What can we do? How can we make it more feasible for them to stay in their apartments forever and not having to move to like a, a senior living apartment or to a um, stationary elderly care apartment? 
So these are things that we are looking into. And of course, we always have to discuss it with our board, which is natural. And sometimes it needs more than one discussion, of course, because we are always moving a little bit out of what the traditional housing company does. But so far, I can say that uh, we have always found very good solutions um, if they bring the city and the people living here forward. So how, how often you meet with the board? Like how regularly uh, you are in discussion with them? Yeah, well, that's... That's very formal, huh? With the board, the board uh, is it's basically the city of Berlin and its representatives. There's a formal process for this. So our CEFO and COO have a meeting four times a year with the board. That is not so often. Okay. But they also have some some like uh, extra meetings for them if it is necessary. So this year, for example, we just had a board meeting in March and then there's one in June, but they also have scheduled an extra meeting in May. But, you know, that's just regulated basically for a state-owned company. But uh, this is the external board, which is controlling Gehubak. But if you think about internally, the management board and the management level, of course, there's daily meetings and daily interchange. And it's getting even even now in this time of uh, working from home with all digital means, it's even getting more intense and more regularly. Cool. And then I was also wondering, because there's so many options and so many interesting things to think about to uh, bring value to your people which use your houses, um, how much uh, pressure you have to be um, to be winning, like to, to, to create winnings, to be like, to not only sunk costs, but also can generate revenue? Well, the role of business element. So my role is actually to generate extra revenue and create extra EBIT um, for the company. Um, if you if you look, I'm very much working in team with my colleague Roman, who is heading the IT and who is more looking into the internal digitalization of the company. So he is more also looking into process optimization, which is naturally related to cost. But my role is to create extra business. So of course, <laughs> I'm, I'm measured upon how much extra business and extra revenue I generate, but we are not uh, a publicly listed company with shareholders who look at the percentage of avid margin we create every day, but we are a, a state-owned company. So we have kind of an overall responsibility and we are also doing projects, not only for the business sake, but for the greater sake of the city. So we really uh, see our role in a, important driver of the smart city strategy within berlin and sometimes also we do things which are of course we can't you know destroy value or we can't create something which is costing us money but we also do things that don't really generate extra profits for us but which are a profit for the city to give an example of this um in berlin the public transport company is called b4g yeah? and b4g has started also to get into shared mobility um, they have created an app, which is called Yelby, and through this app, you can access to basically many, many, many shared mobility providers. Through this app, it's uh, deeply integrated into this app, so you can not only find and book the uh, vehicles there, you can also pay through this app. So this is quite innovative, and um, within a European project, Gibbuck and B4G met, and we both suddenly discovered that we are working on something very similar, namely on mobility hubs. Huh? So we plan to build mobility hubs in our neighborhoods to bring the shared mobility into one spot and avoid this, you know, spoiling of the environment and spoiling of the city by uh, bikes lying around or by the scooters lying around, but to collect them nicely in a spot and also to make them 
um, yeah, to make them very dense in a position where you can have access to public transport. And then we found out that B4G is also working on this. So we thought, okay, let's talk together. Uh, we shouldn't be both working on it from two sides. We should work together on it. And so we met uh, with B4G and we agreed that we will have a cooperation for mobility hubs. And uh, so the first mobility hub in Berlin was built um, by B4G in Gibobak and opened in Kreuzberg in yeah, a very urban position. If you know Berlin, it's a very dense uh, population and you don't find parking spots in the city. And it's very close to the subway station, Prinzenstraße, so people can just use the shared mobility, jump on the train, get back into shared mobility. Basically, our goal here is to make the car not necessary anymore. You, we, we want to give our tenants an environment and services uh, where they say we don't really need the car. Someone who wants to still have a car, of course, yeah, fine, it's your decision. We cannot be the one who says you shouldn't have it anymore, but we want to make very good offers. And so we started this project and successfully actually implemented uh, three mobility hubs in the city now and are planning our first one currently. And this is nothing that is generating huge profits. Yeah, neither for B4G nor for Europa, I would say. Uh, it is something where we create um, value for the city of Berlin, definitely. And where we don't lose money, yeah, we don't destroy value. That is important, but we don't really create big profits. So I would say probably a publicly listed housing company couldn't do this because they have the shareholders who ask, hey, where's my margin? Where's my revenue coming? And we say, yeah, this is a project that is not generating extra profit, but generating a big value for the city. But then we have other projects like the parking uh, project where we also generate um, yeah, value for the city, but also profit for the company, which we can then hand on to our tenants because as you know, we are having very low rents and we are very proud to be positioned like this because Berlin is a growing city, rents are rising and we are kind of a counterpart offering very low rents for very good departments. Cool. Definitely really interesting. So how many employees has Gio back like... How many? Well, we are we are very fast growing currently, so we are getting closer and closer to the 700, um, which is related to that we are also growing with with uh, regards to our units. Huh? When I started uh, only three years ago in Gibraltar, we had 63,000 units, so apartments, and today we have almost 70,000 units. So the company is growing uh, dramatically, uh, partly because we are building a lot and partly because we are buying apartments. Yeah. And uh, this made it necessary to employ more and more people to actually handle this um, business. Um, I think we don't employ, you know, in a, in a strict linearity the people because our processes get automized more and more. We have just this year launched our digital customer service center with a customer application, with a customer app everyone can use on his mobile phone. Uh, we have digitalized our rental process in the company. So we are driving many digital initiatives within Givopark. Yeah? Um, this uh, helps us to grow in, in different fields regarding the people, but we are still a growing company also regarding the number of people working here. And the very um, nice side about it is that the, well, that, the, that the mix of people has become more diverse within, I would say, the last four or five years. Um, because we have employed so many young people and also people from many, many different backgrounds. So it's like a rejuvenation of the company. And you can see the spirit now, which is um, really changing the way we are working. I mean, now, for example, in this Corona crisis, um, it was just easy for us to switch everything um, on, 
on working in Teams or Zoom or whatever, but in digital means, um, because we have anyhow been used to working like this. I think if you go back like maybe five years only in the company, this would have been a different story. And I think it's very helpful that we have been uh, growing with many young people joining the company. Cool. So, uh, but if you have so many employees inside a company and you need to um, ask for permission in certain parts or like cooperate with certain departments, how, how do you network yourself into that? Um, how, how do you handle this problem? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, company is going through a transformation um also with regards to um if i if i jump back in time three years when i joined the company um i was positively surprised already how open and how innovative and how collaborative the company is but there was still a lot of potential uh, upside potential um, because the company of course is coming from this very traditional industry and also state owned and we had very much a silo structure where people were looking into their um, little, little kingdoms and uh, trying to build the things um, by themselves uh, in their kingdoms. But uh, I think the digitalization is quite dramatically changing many things because um, it, it creates so much project work in the company. Huh? You, can't, you can't drive digitalization within your silo. You need to do it together. And so your projects and projects always kind of foster cooperation and collaboration within the company. And that has changed many things, I would say. Um, another factor is, yeah, I would say probably uh, the business development that we have started because we are now bringing in uh, startups and startup ideas from the outside and also new ways of working. Yeah, We started, you know, doing this business model canvas uh, as, a, as a tool of co-creation and Currently, I'm looking for a UX designer, for example, to create better processes and customer journeys for our customers. Going back five years, I guess many people in the company wouldn't have known what a UX designer is, actually. So there are many new uh, functions also coming into the business. And also, once we start building this new business, <laughs> we need to employ, again, new people for this new business, which come from totally different backgrounds. I mean, for the mobility, for example. Um, I employed someone who's coming from the um, Deutsche Zentrum for Luft- und Raumfahrt, so basically from the aerospace uh, department. Um, he's a completely different guy than, uh, than someone who is renting out apartments. You know, I wouldn't say better or worse, but different. And the same is, is true, of course, if I now go into health. So you bring much more diversity in the company once we are diversifying our business. And that has also helped um, making this whole company more agile. And then there have been some initiatives, like my colleague Roman, uh, who's, who's heading the IT, he started something called the Campus Program. So basically, it was about innovation and ideas, um, and everyone in the company was invited to come into our new open space and work in teams on new ideas and new projects. Yeah? So we did this for, like I would say, two years, and it was a good experience. It didn't quite bring the results um, that we expected or that we hoped for, so we kind of adjusted it and now Roman is starting something new which is a digital expertise team where people from all departments in the company are coming together who are either innovative or digitally uh, open or both <laughs> in the best case and I think this will, will be um, one of the main drivers now it's not in place so far so I can't you know report on any experience but I work very closely with Roman on this and I know what his plans are and how he wants to really bring more 
agility and also cross-functional working style with the digital expertise team, which uh, I think will be a huge lever for becoming faster and more agile within the company. Cool. Yeah, definitely interesting. So looking forward to hear more of that later. Um, mm. So because you have so many different channel challenges coming up, uh, how did mm -hmm. you stuff your team skills, skill, skill from the skill side? Yeah. Um, I would say it's a mix. Um, I mentioned the guy, for example, from the aer aerospace department, yeah, who, who has been like, he's a, he's a researcher by his background and has been working on new mobility. Yeah. So here I needed just some expertise and I staffed someone who's certainly an expert in mobility because I needed this inside the company. You can't always rely only on consultants. Uh, of course, I have many consultants, but I need the expertise within the company. But he's kind of an exemption because I try to start my team with generalists mostly who either come from a business consulting background. Uh, so I would say uh, maybe 20% of my team come from business consulting background. And then uh, I would say another 30, 40% come from a startup background who have um, actually been mostly founders in a startup or they have been working in a startup. And the rest is coming straight from, from university, um, joining, joining the company uh, very fresh, with fresh ideas and very young. So that's, that's the mix. And uh, there's one guy uh, with a housing company background um, I wish I had more with the housing company background, but on the other hand, there's so many in the company. I mean, this is the core of our business so that we can always connect to the uh, housing knowledge outside of our team. Yeah, yeah. That's like both sides <laughs> of the owners. On one side, it would be better to have them inside. On the other side, you have them already in the company. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, in the company, you have all the housing company expert, but not within my team. But I don't think I needed it within my team because we are integrated into this company. And the more we work together and the more projects we do together, the more we can combine this expertise. I also believe that, uh, or I hope at least, yeah, that the new innovation and startup program, which I'm which I'm about to start and which I'm actually now in job interviews with potential candidates to help me build that program, will also... Um, be a big push for the organization with regards to innovation and also help bringing the different competencies even closer together. Yeah. How, how do you make sure that your team stays connected to the culture and to the company itself? Especially we said you are more on the edge and you're more outside out of the box thinking. So how, how do you make sure that like your team Uh, is still connected to the core people of the company and to the company itself and doesn't go too too far outside? Uh, I would say that we are moving a little bit in in, in waves, yeah? <laughs> so sometimes we're moving a little bit further away from the company and then we're moving back again. And I think it's okay yeah? because some, you know, in, in the early stage of a project, let's put it this way because I think it's the best way to describe it. In the early stage of any project, we start with the idea. And the ideas, say, you know, they sometimes come from within the company, um, but in most cases, they come from outside. They come from startups approaching us. They come from conferences we go to. Sometimes our CEO comes and says, I talked to someone and it's something really interesting. Sometimes, you know, just in our private network, we have someone and believe it's something. So in the early stage, the ideas are very abstract sometimes. And also, you don't see the connection to the main business. 
And in these early stages, we very much work on these ideas within my team in the business development, sometimes, you know, with colleagues from IT, sometimes with some external clients. But in these early stages, we are not so much connected to the core business, uh, to be honest. Now we talk about it and we say the things we're working on, but uh, we are pretty much doing it by ourselves and it's quite far away. But once we have um, gone through an early process and validated some ideas and get to the phase where we want to discuss the potential for the overall company, how can we scale this product? What could be the benefit for the other departments? At this point, we always get to, into co-working relationships with the other departments in the company because um, we need them. We need their expertise. We need their competence. We also need the, um, the functions they have because they are owners of the physical assets or owners of the customers. So then we get into a team setting. And this brings us back again closer to the core organization. Yeah? And some of the ideas die then because you realize they are just too far off or there's not the energy in the company to drive these ideas. And some other ideas, they flourish because people see the potential and actually see the potential for their own business unit. And maybe say, I want to take ownership for this. And this is the best that can happen. Yeah, Mobility, for example, I mentioned many times now. And today is April 1st. And just today, I handed over the ownership of mobility to one of our core business units. Yeah, So I've been driving that for the last two years, running the prototypes, doing POCs, proving that it works, establishing partnerships with startups, but also with established companies. And now today, we are proud because we're at the point where we can hand it over to the core business and have it be integrated there and to scale it up on all our parking lots and in all our buildings. And I think yeah, that's, that's the process. Yeah, It starts very far away from the core business and then we get closer, closer, closer. And sometimes we have to stop because we realize we fail, which is okay. It's part of our business. And many times we realize it's actually a good idea and that's value for the core business. And then they take it over and they take ownership. And so this is the best that can happen. Yeah, pretty good example. Like your, your final goal is to give it back to the core business and let them build on it more and scale it. So do you yeah, guys... That's do, it. It's sometimes actually hard huh? because there's an emotional relationship yeah. to the topic and also to the people, but that's the goal, yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you have somewhere a list of all the projects you're, you're doing and you finished uh, successfully somewhere? A list? Well, I mean, uh, we get so many lists within the housing company, you know. <laughs> so we're expert of lists. Yes, we get many lists. Um, we get the project management office, yeah. And uh, the project management office is very professional now. Um, I also had actually the pleasure to build this together with, uh, with the uh, lady running this now. And uh, in this project management office, we have an overview of all the projects we were working on. Yeah? We are also just now implementing a new digital project management tool, which will uh, foster digital collaboration. And so everyone can always look at this list inside the and company and see what we're working did, on, did you which publish, we are, etc. Did you publish this list also outside for uh, that people also can... Uh, from the outside check it out a bit more yeah. and get a bit more a feeling of what mm -hmm. you guys did and what you guys are doing uh, outside we still have a lot of potential i have to say um we on our website of the giveback website there we created a section for i think we call it business partners and your business yeah and that's basically the section that uh, i am feeding and we're putting the projects but not all of them yeah i don't put the early stage things there normally i put the things on there which are a little bit bigger already and where we know that we will follow the path and where we're looking for partners. So you can find some of our projects on our website, but um, 
I mentioned now already that I'm starting an innovation startup program. And this should certainly be a tool on the mean and the program to also make uh, more transparent to the outside world what we are doing at Debobuck. Um, because many people outside, they still have in mind a traditional housing company, you know, building, selling, renting, maintaining the buildings, that's it. And that's not true for Gebobuck. We are doing so many different things and we are planning and building new different things. But I mean, why should, for example, a care company come to us and say, how can we talk about, can we cooperate? They don't know that we plan this. Huh? Why should the mobility provider come to our door and say, let's talk about this? Yeah, why exactly. should someone thinking about connectivity in spaces, yeah, something I'm working on, or logistics? Why should someone from the logistics arena come to our door and say, uh, hi, I got a very good solution and it could be of high value to you. They don't know about us. So that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons, the main reasons really is the internal organization. But it's one of the reasons why I created this uh, innovation and startup program yeah. so that we can also actively talk about the projects we are running and the people we're looking for. Because basically I can say I'm open to any idea, any great idea that can be somehow related to our core business. And if there's a business case, I can just employ people working on it and we can drive that idea and make it a business. Um, of course, given all these internal and external discussions we have to do, but as I said, we have been quite successful in the past with getting consensus and then doing the things we really yeah. like to do. Cool. So my, my second last question before the end is, uh, what are your favorite books? Uh, favorite books. I mean, what I really, really liked uh, reading, but I think many people <laughs> probably have answered that already, is Yuval Harari's uh, short story um, of, of humanity, or the Geschichte der in German, or Homo sapiens, uh, the first one that he published, because it explains so much about who we are and why we are, um, how we are. Uh, he's looking, you know him probably, huh? He's looking at the history of, of humans over the last hundred thousand years and giving some explanations on behavior, on human behavior. So I think it's on the first hand interesting to read, on the second hand explains so many things in your private life, but also in the organization. <laughs> yeah, cool. And the last question is, uh, what kind of advice would you give your 20 year old self if you could go back in time and talk to him? Well, do whatever uh, you feel passionate about. Uh, probably it sounds a little bit flat to say this, um, but it's, I believe it's true. Yeah. If you follow your heart and, and do what you're passionate about, I think you will always be successful in what you're doing. And I hope it doesn't matter how many euros are on your check at the end of the month, but I hope it matters what you feel about what you're doing. Yeah. Pretty good advice. So Oliver, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Florian. It has been a pleasure and actually fun talking to you. Thank you very much for being in the podcast. Thanks. Bye-bye.